Summer of 89, I'm at the beach. This family sets up next to me. I go into the surf. When I come out, my clothes, my towel, my umbrella, they're all gone. I am furious. I start screaming at these kids, demanding my stuff back, and finally I lose it. I grab their boombox and I chuck it into the ocean. But I don't want to be a secondary character. Hello. Hello. And welcome to this week's episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. My name is Stephen. My name is Ivan. And we are a Seinfeld podcast where every week we take a random Seinfeld episode and talk about the secondary characters from it. This week we're doing a, I would say, kind of classic episode. Maybe a later Seinfeld classic. Uh, the Slicer from yeah, Season 9. That's right. Episode 9 of Season 9. And Stephen, where does the meat go? <laughs> Over there. Where? Uh, right there. <laughs> right there. Yeah. Where's the on button? He's got two questions for his training yeah. program. Where does the meat go? Right there. And but, where's the on button? Right over there. But where does the meat go? Was that more of a philosophical question, do you think? Like, is it like an existential, like, where does the meat go? Nah. No? Nah. Yeah. Definitely not. Yeah. No. Okay. So. <laughs> Damn. No. Nah. If you have any philosophical ideas or questions for us, you can send us an email if you want, bidwabaskpodcast at gmail.com, and we love getting what you're sending us. We really appreciate it. Uh, you can find us on social media at B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C, and uh, we're on any podcast service. Go to Apple, Spotify, whatever. Rate and review us. You know, we'd love to get reviews. We love reading them, and uh, we usually post reviews that we get. Yeah, the five star ones. That's right, and uh, it really helps us with visibility and uh, spreading the word of the podcast. And if you want to support us in a financial way, you can head to our Patreon. Uh, the link is in the show notes. And for two bucks a month, you get early access to episodes uh, and also access to our uh, recently started podcast, second secondary podcast, Curbcast. That's right. It is an episode by episode review of Curb Your Enthusiasm, and we're about three quarters of the way through episode one as of recording season one. Of oh, season one, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I. Yeah. It's not a minute by minute. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> curb your enthusiasm by minute. Oh, so niche. There's so many podcasts like that. So niche. I know, I know, crazy. Actually, I saw. I, I looked on a on one of those podcast platforms, and there's actually a Seinfeld. I, went, I looked up Seinfeld just to see what kind of podcast there are. I guess this is kind of leads into Seinfeldisms in a way. Yeah, but I guess like an early Seinfeldism for me is there was like this one called Seinfeld by the minute, oh. and it's literally they analyze every episode minute by minute. Even if you did five a day, that would yeah. take. Decades. They, I think they've gone for like four or five years, and they're up to season nine. Really, they're up to the gum. Holy! Hell. Oh, I think I think that's I think the gum season. And this nine? is a podcast on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, everywhere. Seinfeld by the minute or oh. Seinfeld minute or something. Yeah, I've never seen that. Yeah, I was and like, I've I've searched for a lot of Seinfeld podcasts, and I've never ever seen that. Yeah, I found it on some other platform. I forgot what it was. Oh. But yeah. Okay, I have to check it out. Yeah. Okay, Crazy. well, shout out to Seinfeld by the Minute for or the Seinfeld dedication. Minute, I think. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was like literally like one minute of each episode. Huh. God damn, that's. Uh, I thought that's, we were. Yeah, I thought, I thought we, we were I, niche. Yeah, I thought we were dedicated. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. Anyway, and um, we have received some messages because right now, as you know, in Australia, uh, we're experiencing a lot of bushfires in the regional areas around many parts of the country. We've had messages from people asking if we're okay, and uh, yes, we are doing okay. Uh, it's not affecting us personally but we do know of people who are affected and we have lots of friends and everything like that in in those areas and uh, yeah do anything you can if you do want to donate there's lots of stuff online if you want to donate to Red Cross or whatever. Yeah, the uh, the CFA, if you're in Australia or abroad, the CFA, which is the... Country Fire Authority. Yeah, they and, yeah. they they probably need the most support financially. Mm-hmm. That's right. And even if you want to volunteer on the off chance, uh, you can sign up and, and help out. So they're, they're the guy, they're the real, you know, heroes. So, yeah. Yeah. 
That's right. Uh, yeah, and like you said, there's tons of other ways you can help. You can donate food or money um, or just spread the word, whatever. Um, yeah. Anything is appreciated. And thanks again for checking up on us too. But yeah. We're okay. Yeah, in Melbourne, it's just really, really smoky. Yeah, we're copying a lot of like smoke. A, yeah, it just yeah. smells like a campfire. Yeah. And it's like post-apocalyptically hazy. Mm. I drove over here after work just now and it was very, very strange. Yeah, really weird. Yeah. It's like I was in the Silent Hill video game. Yeah, it's it kind of fog. It kind of feels like a grey fog, but a fog that hasn't lifted for three or four days. Yeah, It's very weird. Very weird smell. Anyway, Seinfeld-isms, buddy. So I've just kind of said mine about the Seinfeld Minute podcast, but uh, do you have any Seinfeld-isms for this week? Yeah, it's not a very good one, uh, but it was a mention of Seinfeld on a podcast. I think I've mentioned it before. I listened to a podcast called 302010. Yeah. uh, And they mentioned Seinfeld. I can't remember why, uh, but they did. So that's it. Yeah. Good. Better than nothing. <laughs> Better than nothing. Last week yeah. I had nothing and it haunted me all week, so I was yeah. desperate to find one. <laughs> You're like, anything, anything, Seinfeld, anything. Seinfeld, Seinfeld. Yeah. Yes. Uh, anyway, so Seinfeld News, buddy. How many articles do you have this week? A big fat zero. Oh, man. Nothing. Whoa. It nothing is the start of the year. Yeah. It's a bit quiet. Pretty quiet. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, zero. There are a couple of lists that I found, but I think they were just like filler articles on yeah. news websites where news is generally slow, so they just make up pointless lists. Yeah. It's like 25 of Kramer's best lines. Yeah. There was one of like the top ten worst characters on Seinfeld or something, yeah. and I'm like, ah, oh, this is not news. This nah. is just—it's all clickbait listicles. Yeah, exactly. Buzzfeed style. Yeah, if that fills yeah. out their, uh, you know, I guess clicks. requirements or mm. clicks, then mm. that's their thing. We don't need to do that. Fair enough. We just skip over it. <laughs> anyway, let's slice through all those segments, and we'll talk about the slicer. Yeah. Nice. Excellent. <laughs> Thanks. Season nine, episode nine. We'll get to the meat of the episode. Oh boy! First head of the. Stop hamming it up. Oh no! Done, done. Cut, cut, cut. I've I've silver beat this dead horse. Stuff it. <laughs> First aired in the US on November 13th, 1997. This one was directed by Andy Ackerman, written by Greg Cavett, Andy Robin, and Darren Henry. In this episode, Kramer, he buys a meat slicer and really enjoys making fresh sandwiches. Elaine's neighbour goes to Europe, but forgets to turn his alarm off, driving her nuts. Uh, George gets a new job at Kruger Industrial Smoothing, and this is the first time we see Kruger. I don't care. I don't care. He's played by Daniel Von Bargen. And before we do go on, many of you have actually sent us requests saying, when are you going to review Kruger? Because remember we used to do those What's the Deal with episodes? Yeah, yeah where, where we focus on one character. Were you asking me if I remember that? Or yes, that I am asking question? you. I'm of course asking I do. You. Of course you do, yeah. My memory is awful, but it's not that bad. Okay. Well, people kept saying, why don't you do a What's the Deal on Kruger? Mm. Then we're like, ah. Oh, that was a good question. Yeah. I can't even remember if we ever considered him or mm. we kind of just overlooked him. I think we were going to do like a George's Bosses episode, yeah. but then we Steinbrenner got mixed in with the Yankees staff and we did that one. And yeah. I think a few things happened. Okay. But anyway, but this is the episode where we will go deep diving into Kruger. Yep. We'll talk about him. Yeah. Yes, and all his many moles and imperfections <laughs> on his body. Uh, um, Jerry dates Dr. Cedarini. She's played by Marsha Cross. She's a dermatologist. And uh, thanks to George's suggestion, Jerry tries a revenge date when she makes him feel inadequate for not saving lines, lives. But the plan quickly backfires. Uh, George enjoys his new job at the company, but when he sees a photo sitting on his boss's desk, he remembers when he first encountered Kruger. George steals the photo and has himself brushed out. Uh, Elaine enlists Kramer to help her blow the fuses in her building but when that finally turns the alarm off they learn that Elaine's neighbour has a cat and blowing the fuses shuts off the automatic feeder <laughs> and boy yeah <laughs> it's a bit of a dark turn isn't it yeah I was a bit triggered as well because uh, we recently my girlfriend and I recently came back from uh, being on, on the holidays over Christmas and when we came back our cat was missing and hadn't <gasps> been seen for a week oh man and the uh, yeah. we, we bought an automatic feeder <laughs> but we had people coming to check on her 
yeah. uh, to make sure she was okay. And uh, yeah, even though it was a different situation, just uh, a, you know, a cat not being okay and coming home from being away and an automatic feeder, it was kind of related and it was very like, ugh. Would have made you a bit upset. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But luckily we found our cat on New Year's Eve and it's all good now. And it's all good. Good yeah. on Peach. Yeah. The, yeah. the next day when we woke up on New Year's Day, we were a bit hungover um, <laughs> and the cat wasn't immediately, uh, you know, in our vicinity and my girlfriend was like, where's the cat? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, she's probably somewhere. Yeah. You know. But at so, least you found her. Yeah. So that's good. I'm glad you could see through it and, and it passed. Yeah. I would have fed it. If I knew where Peach was, I would have fed it deli meats. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You would have bought a slicer. Yeah. And fed uh, Peach under the door. That's right. I so would have. You're a good friend. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, so she borrows the meat slicer in order to feed the cat, but gets the slicer happy, as she says, and cuts off parts of her shoe. George, meanwhile, gets the photo back, but the photo still removes the wrong person. Man, you've lost a lot of hair. <laughs> I am aware. Um, other secondary characters in this episode include Larry B. Scott. He plays Arthur Milano. He's the photo guy. I didn't realize the photo guy had a name. Yeah. It's like Arthur Milano. I was like, really? When's he called Arthur? Maybe they know. named him, but then, I don't know, didn't film a scene with his name in it. Yeah. You know, maybe they named his character. He was in the script, but then just okay. realized they didn't need to scene with his name in it. I yeah. don't know. Who knows? But yeah, yeah. usually... Even secondary characters that are in one scene, sometimes they've got a first name. Yeah. I can't think of any other circumstance where a guy that doesn't need a name for the sake of the episode has a full name. Yeah. It's weird. Weird. Very. I don't know. I'm sure it's happened before. Yeah. Um, And another secondary character, David Morland, he plays Mr. Parry, a patient of Sarah's who goes up to thank him for, thank thank her rather, for saving his life. Yeah. Skin cancer. Skin cancer. Skin cancer. Skin cancer. Forgot about the skin cancer. Uh, Any trivia for the episode? Yeah, I've got a couple. So uh, we mentioned Kruger before. He was only supposed to appear in one episode. However, uh, that was extended to four episodes. I couldn't really find out why. Um, I guess he's just a funny character. And they probably wanted to add to his arc as well. I think because Daniel did such a great job as Kruger. Um, maybe they wanted to kind of expand George and Kruger's relationship a bit more. Yeah, I could, yeah. I, I could imagine them, you know, like thinking, well, what's the point of George changing jobs when they're what a third of a third of the way through season nine? Yeah, he's going to stay at Kruger Industries, so we may as well continue yeah. with Kruger as a boss. And one of the themes with George's subplots are like his relationships with his boss and yeah. his work colleagues. So it'd be weird if he got a job and then you didn't see anything of it ever again. Yeah, that's true. You know, part of his story is his job, unless he lost his job. Yeah, of course. Yeah, like yeah. at. Uh, is it playtime? Play, play. I think playtime. Playtime Industries. Yeah, or, some of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah with yeah. the 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 mobile scooter, mobility scooter. It race. says you worked there for four days. Sorry, oh, I got to be fourteen. Fourteen, 14 days. days. As if that's 14. any better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> four days. Fourteen days. Fourteen days. Yeah, same thing. Um, yeah. So the, you mentioned that a Kramer's alias of Doctor Von Nostrand appears for the first time in this episode. Yeah. Yes, he stands in as the dermatologist to check Kruger's skin for any you know, moles or cancerous things. Uh, the alter ego also appears in the nose job. Actually, no, it's the second time it's appeared. It was in the nose job. Yeah. Season three, there you go, or season two. And uh, the package, which we have both done episodes on. Yeah. yeah. I think you mean the last time it appears? Maybe as opposed oh, the to the last first time, time? The last time's the package. Oh, no, sorry. This is the last time. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, my mistake. That's right. One of the packages is before yeah. in season eight. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. It's the last time it appears. Yeah, I was going to say. I'm I, re- like, I read uh, that wrong. I was like, eh, last time, yeah. Uh, it's fine. Same thing. Uh, so the subplot with George in the photo, that was actually inspired by a real-life situation uh, involving Jerry. He went on a vacation in Mexico, and uh, I think it's like a common thing there where, or in a lot of countries, where a photographer will offer to take your picture for, you know, two bucks, five bucks, ten bucks. Mm. And uh, apparently the photo was taken and something went wrong, 
and the photographer offered to fix it. Fix it, and uh, his fix was actually drawing a cartoon of Jerry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a cartoon Jerry would be pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if this was during the filming of Seinfeld and he was famous, or this was prior to 1990. Um, but that's a pretty cool thing, and yeah, yeah I, you know, so many of the the storylines are inspired by real life events. And that's too good not to create a storyline out of. As if you wouldn't know you're like a caricature yeah. in a photo. You're like, hey, I wonder. Yeah. What What are you doing with those coloring pencils? Yeah, exactly. In my photo. <laughs> I'd just be like, here's the five bucks. See ya. Yeah, good. pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Refund, man. Yeah. Yeah. And the first scene where uh, Elaine dreams that she's in bed with Jerry, George, and Kramer, that was cut for the syndicated version. Yeah. It's Possibly weird... due to timing or maybe it has no relevance to the plot. No. Yeah. Sometimes those weird like dream sequences or something, they're, you know, they're a non sequitur, but they still have some relevance to the plot, but it was yeah. just sort of filler. That's probably why they cut it. Yeah. Like, yeah don't need don't it. Oh, well. Anywho, yeah, so that was the trivia for The Slicer. When we come back, we're going to talk about some secondary characters. Like I mentioned, we are going to deep dive for the very first time to talk about Kruger, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, we'll also talk about Dr. Cedarides, a.k.a. Pimple Popper MD. <laughs> Must take a big sit to kill a man. Uh, as well as Arthur the Photo Guide. Do you have any notes on other characters? Uh, no, that's it. Okay, we'll be back. Hello, folks. Matt McCoy here, a.k.a. Lloyd Braun from Seinfeld. And I'm telling you right now, I do not want to be a secondary character. Are you looking for a brand new conversation podcast with some interesting guests? Well, you found it. My name is Ivan Pigioni, and I'm one of the voices from acclaimed Seinfeld podcast, but I don't want to be a secondary character. I'm back for season three of In Melbourne Last Week, a podcast where I speak to everyday people who do extraordinary things from Melbourne and everywhere else. This season's themes include adversity and survival, as well as some more lighthearted topics to break it up. You can listen to In Melbourne Last Week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. This is the slicer for But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. And uh, let's talk about the man himself. I think one of George's best bosses, uh, if not... Well, I, I say that George Steinbrenner is my favourite, but uh, Kruger is Kruger's pretty up, up there. there too. He's up there, yeah. Yeah, I'd say no, he's so. good. He's really good. Uh, Kruger, he's played by uh, the late Daniel Von Bargen. Uh, he was known for the films Robocop 3, Super Troopers, and The Postman. Uh, he also appeared in three more episodes of Season 9, playing Kruger, of course. Mm. Uh, he passed away in 2015 age 64 yeah Yeah, too young coco the monkey coco the monkey (laughs) but we i felt like the slicer is the one that introduces him and he's probably the most prominent in this episode yeah yeah Uh, i i think i mean he might get some more screen time in other episodes but he's it's probably the episode where he's most important to the storyline yeah because it directly involves him he's not just someone setting up scenes he actually is the storyline and he is a really incompetent businessman yeah, I, I don't know if he's incompetent or he just doesn't care. Like okay, I think he's I think you, yeah. I think you can be skilled and competent, but just for some reason he's just switched off. And he he's owns tuned like, out. Yeah. He owns like a big industrial smoothing company. Like they even had a contractor clean up the New York, like the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, and you they, know? they screwed it up. They screwed apparently. it up. Yeah, <laughs> I love how Kramer's like Kruger. In, that's Kruger Industrial Smoothing. Yeah, they couldn't get the green off <laughs> <laughs> the Statue <laughs> of Liberty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so you think he's more apathetic rather than lazy? Yeah, my. I was trying to think why would he be so apathetic and I was thinking about it really hard and then I thought it's probably something simple where uh, I don't think he's the founder of the company. I think it's a family company and he's just inherited the CEO position. Oh, so he's you not know, maybe, the main crew guy. Yeah, okay, you know, it yeah, could have started yeah. generations ago. Right. And I think, you know, if he's born into it and that's all he's ever known professionally, 
I think at his age, what is he, what, 50? Probably late like 40s, early late 50s. 40s, early yeah. 50s. Yeah. He's probably just over it. He probably so. just doesn't care because it's been all he's ever known. I feel like that he wanted to aspire to do another career. Yeah. But then he kind of fell into it somehow. Mm-hmm. And maybe, I, I didn't know, I, I didn't think it was a family business. But I guess going based on your, you know, hypothetical, probably a family business would have made sense. Like maybe Kruger Senior started it. Yeah. Or maybe Kruger Senior, you know, grandfather Kruger. Yeah. Maybe started it. It's a couple of generations. And mm. yeah, he's. I think he probably wanted to do something else maybe he was a football player or he aspired to do something and something went awry and then he kind of fell into doing corporate work yeah because his his apathy seems to extend beyond his professional life he just seems to be apathetic about life in general Mm. like he's just totally defeated yeah he just doesn't care about anything no um you know even when george is warning him about his uh potentially dangerous mole i mean fair enough he doesn't realize that the photo shot, the photo's been airbrushed, and he says, "Well, the mole hasn't changed." Like that's a logical conclusion to draw, mm. but at the same time, he doesn't even take George's warning seriously. It's no. just like, yeah. So it's almost like he doesn't even care about himself or his health. You think he's just, yeah, he's just too casual, isn't he? It's like nothing, nothing seems to phase him. No, uh, and I don't think it's because he's overly laid back. I, I think it's kind of related to the fact that he is just over Kruger as a job. And maybe there's some lingering uh, bitterness about not being able to or not making better choices to do a career that isn't Kruger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's sort of like polluted the rest of his life. Where You know, like if you make a really bad decision when you're young or a decision that you regret, you can't just contain it to its own context. It sort of just, it makes you feel bad about your life in general. Yeah. And you just don't care. So that's Mm. kind of the feeling that I get, like... You know, he, he he hates his career and he hates his responsibilities so much. It makes him hate everything in life, not just yeah. his job. And I feel like he probably wanted to do other things in terms of his personal life yeah. as well. But maybe he fell into meeting his soon-to-be wife, got yeah. married, had kids. He's probably unhappy in his marriage too. Yeah. I feel like that maybe he's just kind of trying to live up to societal expectations to have the family and all that. But he's probably got desires to do his own thing. Yeah. But he feels kind of trapped in this corporate world, he's got a business. Yeah, I think trapped is the best way to put it. I think he, if he could, he'd just drop everything and do something, you know? Yeah. Probably I think- drive, ride, ride off somewhere, drive off, fly away somewhere. Yeah, but that requires, yeah. I mean, that would make him a pretty awful person. Yeah. Not that he's a great person, but I don't think he's doing it out of moral obligation. I think he's doing it out of a lack of self-confidence. So, But, to, like, if you were 50 years old and you didn't like anything about your life, hmm. it requires a lot of confidence to just say, you know what, I'm going to cancel all of this or get rid of all this and just do whatever I want to do. So, Lots of bravery, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think the fact that he's quite defeated and trapped yeah, yeah. means he doesn't have a lot of confidence. So it kind of it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy where he knows what he wants to do, but he doesn't have the balls to do it. Yeah. You know? Mm. Or maybe it's just all the uh, all the chemicals that have gotten to his brain. <laughs> to his brain. <laughs> just fried all, his brain. Yeah, all that smoothing, all the sandstone and the, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did notice in his office uh, when he was interviewing George is that he has a lot of family photos uh, on his bench behind his desk. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned that he might not be happy in his marriage. I think he has – the one thing he loves in his life is probably his kids because um, most of the family photos were of his kids. Um, so I think that's, you know, like his saving grace, I guess. His saving grace. Yeah. And he's obviously, he kind of defies conventions and he's a bit cheeky as well. Like yeah. when he talks about the story, what he did to George 10 years ago, this mm. is when he didn't recognize him. He, he said that he got their clothes and put them in the ocean. Yeah. I mean, you that's, know. that's pretty mean and pretty immature. But it was revenge because George did get the boom box and throw it in the ocean too. That's true. So it's probably like a big, you know, piss off. Yeah. You know, that's what you've done. Maybe, but I mean, you know, maybe back then he had a bit more moxie, you know, he thought, you know what, this guy threw my stereo in 
the ocean. I'm going to get him back. Mm. But now he would just be like, eh, whatever. Like, it's just stereo. Like, he, you know, he's lost that pizzazz for life. Well, talking from a personal perspective, like after I had my operation, I used to worry about little things a lot. And I'm sure other people, survivors of other, you know, illnesses or injuries or accidents or whatever could probably attest to this. And, you know, if you have survived one of these, you can let us know and give your take as well. I'd be really curious. When you go through something like an ordeal like I did a couple of years ago, you kind of not worry about the little things anymore. So you kind of, you still, you know, you still have responsibilities and stuff, but if things happen, like say the boom box, if I dropped my boom box in the ocean or someone threw it in, I'd be a bit annoyed, but I wouldn't be like, oh, it's the end of the world. Yeah. Maybe something happened to Kruger. Like you think like maybe he was in something, some kind of ordeal and he used to worry about the little things. Maybe when he was younger and then suddenly he thought, oh, life's too short. Why am I worrying about this shit? Yeah. Or uh, or doesn't hold water? I don't think so because Mm. it's not like he, I I think, you know, I haven't been through an experience like that, but from what I've seen being an observer is, yes, you stop worrying about the little things, but it really, really places important on the things that, importance on the things that are important. You know, uh, essential to your life. So, like in Kruger's case, it's kids. Yeah, but yeah. I, it's. I. I don't think he doesn't come across as he doesn't sweat the small stuff, but really, really worries about the things that are important. He just doesn't care about anything, anything at all. You know, ah, including himself. So, yeah, I, I don't yeah. think it's prioritized. It. Ah, I think he's just defeated. Right. Yeah. So, but I mean, traumatic experiences can create that apathy as well. So it's not to say that he maybe didn't go through something, but I don't think it had the same uh, impact that you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. No. 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 I, I. I kind of understand where you're going, but it. He doesn't come across as like someone who doesn't sweat the small stuff anymore. He just doesn't sweat any stuff. Anything. He, at he all. sweats nothing. No. Nothing phases him. No. Not at all. I bet, uh, his his business could burn or catch on fire. Yeah. And he'd be like. Oh, well, yeah. He's yeah. almost got like a bit of a nihilist streak. He's where it's just, probably where it's more just, nihilistic than the core four. Yeah. Where it's just like I don't care. Like mm. I don't. I don't think he's outwardly mean or cruel. Yeah. But he just doesn't give doesn't a shit. Care. Well, nihilism is one of the main themes of the show. Yeah. But Kruger is definitely one of the most nihilist characters on the show. Yeah, he's Has just defeated be. and empty and yeah. sort of just doesn't see the point in anything. He's just passing through. Depressed, maybe. Severely maybe. depressed. Yeah, depression. Yeah. Who knows? I'd say so. And that might come back to, you know, our idea of him just not being happy with anything in his life except maybe his kids. Yeah. One thing I did notice as well is that uh, there's two or three, uh, I don't know what you call them, but like... Um, like volcanic stones where they're cut and you can see like the crystals in them. Like, you know, the polished yep. Yep. Volca- uh, volcano stones. I don't yeah. know what they're called. Crystals or whatever. Crystal- yeah, 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 yeah. There's yeah. a couple of those on his on his bench as okay. well. So maybe he has like a, an interest in geology. Yeah, he collects you know, them just maybe. Like a, well, a, he's an industrial smoothing. Okay. So, you know, he smooths sandstone and rocks. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> it's probably part of the job. Actually, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's very true. I didn't even realize that. <laughs> he works in a company that knocks all that stuff, smooths all that stuff. <laughs> that's, that's a very good point. <laughs> there you go. Two, well, he, two he, plus two equals four. That's huh. right. Well, he could, be, he could be a hobbyist too. Yeah. Maybe he actually enjoys it. Could be both. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Do you have anything else about Kruger? No, that's it. Now let's talk about Dr. Sarah Citerides, a.k.a. Pimple Popper. Pimple, Pimple Popper. Popper MD. Yes, she's played by Marsha Cross. You might know her from Desperate Housewives. She's in the Golden Globe nominated role as Brie Vanderkamp. She yep. was in 180 episodes of that show. Oh, I didn't uh, realize it went for that long. Yeah, very long. She also appeared in the TV shows Melrose Place and Quantum Leap, oh. among others, yes. Um, yes, yeah, Sarah Citerides, definitely... I don't think she's really arrogant. Jerry thinks that she's arrogant by saying that she saves lives. I don't think she is. I, I think she's kind of really proud of saving people's lives. Yeah, she does come across as a bit smug and obnoxious about it, though. Uh, I thought that was more Jerry's perspective. Nah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, 
I mean, I wouldn't go on a revenge date with her just to sort of show her up. Yeah. But if I if I met someone and they were like, I'm amazing because I save lives, I'd be mm. like, shut up. Like, yeah. just tell me you're a doctor. Tell me about life-saving stories, but don't literally say I'm awesome. Because, you know, I, I don't know. It's ah, like, okay. I think, so she I think rubbed you, you the wrong way. I th- yeah. I think if you just say what you do, it, it speaks for itself. You okay. don't need to sort of add context or conjecture to it okay yeah that that was my take yeah i didn't like her character anyway like yeah I, yeah I, I don't know she just like even though like she's proud of what she's done yeah she just yeah she i know mean, you mentioned it she'd have like a, that kind of smug kind of attitude yeah, yeah. I, I don't think jerry uh was inaccurate when he said you know unless unless you're out there saving lives she makes you feel worthless yeah and i loved how for something different you know jerry usually tries to keep the girlfriend in the mm. relationship he actually tries to get her away from the relationship. Yeah. That's interesting. Yep. Sometimes, you know, like he he employs different techniques to try and keep them, but he's just like, I'm just going to have a revenge date and just, you know, pay out this woman. Yeah, just yeah. to be as petty as possible. Yeah, that's But it. he kind of like, I don't know if it's his intention, but he kind of gives off the vibe of trying to like uh, get her back when he goes to ask her to do a screening at Kruger. Because, mm. you know, he apologizes, which is nice, um, and mostly unlike Jerry. But, you know, she says, like, it's it's over. Like, you know, I'll go and do the screening at Kruger, but you and I, we're done. Yeah. So but then it, they meet each other at the screening, but then he thinks he that she gave her, her yeah. lives. Yeah. So that, and that ruins everything too. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Or it's actually Kramer's metal cleaner yeah. <laughs> rubbing it on his hand towel. <laughs> yeah. And it was good to see, I guess, uh, from a, you know, a character dynamic perspective, someone who immediately sees through Jerry's agenda and just goes, no. Nah. You know, like, the, she doesn't give him a second chance. Yeah. Um. You know, even though he apologizes, uh, she's just like, no. Nah. She, mm. she can kind of, she's perceptive enough to see who he really is. Yeah. Even though she rubbed him the wrong way, I think he, it wasn't justified him taking her out just to sort of humiliate her. She is extremely career orientated, though. Yeah. So, she probably doesn't even have time for petty games. No. She's like, if you muck, if you don't you muck around and bullshit her, she'll just be like, oh, whatever. Yeah. She's just very, very confident. I think, but I think there is a bit of arrogance um, you know, I can see her looking down on Jerry's career just because he's a comedian and, you know, he's not saving lives. Mm. Um, yeah, but I, yeah, I, I didn't like her very much. Yeah. I didn't dislike her. She didn't yeah. rub me the wrong way, but yeah. I don't know. There's just not much to grasp onto in terms of character, like. She's a very forgettable. She's not a fleshed out character. She's a very forgettable episode yeah. girlfriend, isn't she? Yeah. 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 I, I won't miss her. No. No, <laughs> sure. not at all. Yeah. Well, she's one of the, apparently one of the only dermatologists in New York. Isn't that strange? Yeah. When Jerry says they're very hard to get in this town, I'm like, mm. really? In New York? I don't know. Maybe there's a lot of dermatologists, but there's a lot of patients as well. Well, it's really funny because I get my skin checked once a year mm. and- You'd think that there'd be a proliferation of like skin doctors and stuff. Actually, now I think about it, in Melbourne, there's only like four or five specialist centers. Okay. Yeah. Like, I've got to go to the like the eastern suburbs. Like, I'm, I'm in the western suburbs in Melbourne. you got to go to the bloody east to go get your skin checked. Okay. Yeah, which is really weird. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I guess skin isn't a very like, I mean, I'm sure a lot of doctors just want to help people. But, you know, there is an element, I'm sure, when they're choosing where they want to specialize dermatology is not very sexy mm, you know yeah. like being be, maybe being a surgeon or like an oncologist or uh what are the doctors called that treat kids a pediatrician i was about to say paleontologist <laughs> <a> pediatrician. <laughs> yeah. you know they've got a bit more of like a yeah like a sexy vibe to them maybe not sexy but <laughs> sexy like with kids oh you know what i mean like they're a bit more appealing <laughs> yeah okay you know enough. they're seen as more noble i yeah. guess whereas dermatology is like 
yeah, you're well, looking at yeah. rashes and, and, and melanomas. Well, well George makes a de- uh, an interesting uh, quote. He says, uh, you know, what, what do you have to look after skin for? You just wash it and dry it and that's it. Yeah, you wash it, dry it, move on. <laughs> move on, that's right, <laughs> move on. Yeah. yeah. That's what Except the cancer part. <laughs> yeah, cancer, yeah, a bit different. Yeah, yeah. anyway, yeah, okay, so dermatologists are few and far between, I guess, I guess anyway. so, yeah, maybe yeah, it's yeah. just not a, you know... Not uh, an in-demand field. Like no, you said. Yeah, no, okay. no, 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 no. But much. yeah, in Australia, you think there'd be a lot of them. I mean, we are the cancer capital of the world. Yeah. Um, oh, well. Wait, guys. Yeah, it's probably why a lot of people get skin cancer. Yeah. There's not enough dermatologists to treat us. Oh, boy. But get your skin checked whenever you can. Yep. If you slip, have slop, a, a basque PSA, slip, slop, slap. That's right. Yes. yes. And if you don't know what that means, just go to YouTube and type in slip, slop, slap to mm-hmm. watch some classic 90s Australiana. Australiana. Yes. Australian TV commercials. Yes. And also a very important uh, message. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not just nostalgic. It's actually very, very, very fucking important. It, it holds out. like It holds up 20 years later. Yeah. yeah yep. Definitely. That's it. Yeah. Dr. Sideridis, forget her, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, Arthur the photo guy, the last secondary character for today, played by Larry B. Scott. He's appeared in the films Revenge of the Nerds and The Karate Kid. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I I honestly didn't know he had a name. Arthur yeah, Milano. it was weird. Okay, very. Well, you mentioned he doesn't look like an Arthur Milano. He doesn't, does he? Okay, no. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. All right. Maybe it's half Italian or something. Who knows? Who knows? Um. Yeah. I I think with with him, that's probably he might just work there. I don't think that's his business. Yeah, he seems a bit uh, a bit you know, over, a bit in over his head. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah, I could imagine him being like, you know, he's a wannabe photo technician, and it just happens that. So happens that every time George comes in, you know, the actual photo technician, uh, you know, is on lunch or is on holidays or something like that. And instead of him going, oh, look, I can't really do this. But, you know, if you come back in an hour, old mate photo technician can do it. Mm. He's like, no, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do he, it, yeah. And he, instead of, like, admitting that he's in and over his, in over his head, yeah. he kind of just, like, fucks it up more. He wants to try and, yeah, he wants to yeah. try and go above and beyond and kind of prove himself. Yeah. Probably but, personally as well as, you know, customer-wise. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think he wants to be, you know a skilled photo technician, but yeah. he just doesn't have the chops yet. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, but he's not doing himself any favours by drawing <laughs> and then being proud of it. And then also sort of pushing back when George is like, hang on a minute, like, I had to draw this from memory. Yeah, yeah, like, that is. yeah, it's like, you have no right to be defensive. Like, <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? Exactly. I wonder, I wonder how many requests he'd get to airbrush photos out. Yeah. God. Pre, I, I pre-tech, like, I guess computers were still around back in, like, in those days, but was Photoshopping around in, like, the late 90s? Probably a very rudimentary version. Oh, I have to be, yeah. I think so. I think these days you can easily do it on your computer. Oh, I do it anyway. all the time. Yeah, I mean, Photoshop. it's not very good. Yeah, well, it's something. <laughs> yeah, the um, early Bidwabas times, you know, like, I did those crappy Photoshop. Oh, I mean, they were intentionally yeah, crappy. Yeah, they were intentionally you know, crappy, to be funny, yeah. but... But we've kind of stepped up a bit, I think, a little since then. Yeah, by just not doing it. Yeah, by just not <laughs> doing it. We've improved by just doing less. That's it. <laughs> yes. Less is more. Exactly. Um, um, yeah, I mean, he's just, yeah, he tries, to, like, like I said, it's not his business, but I think he tries his best for the customers. And yeah, um, yeah he, <laughs> it's funny how he photoshops out Kruger instead of George because yeah. he thought that he George was Kruger. Yeah. I love because they both have very, not much hair. He yeah. thought that was George. <laughs> that was good. But what was he thinking? Just cartooning Kruger back in, like, uh. Man, it's just it's it like it def- it defies logic. <laughs> it's something else. It's very strange. It's something else, indeed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's all I had about him and any of the secondary characters. Yeah, no, a shorter episode today. That was the slicer, season nine, episode nine. And uh, when we come back, we are going to find out where any of the secondary characters, if they do, make our top twenty of all time, and where the slicer sits in our episodes we have reviewed so far. This is Bimbobask. Hi, hello, I'm Beth. I believe you're expecting me. Yes. Please come in. 
Medea opens the door wider, allowing Beth to walk into the house. She looks around cautiously outside before closing the door. You have a beautiful home. Medea smiles as she looks at her feet, her face growing slightly red. The two women then make their way upstairs and into the lounge room. The Descent, a three-part audio drama. This psychological thriller is centred around Medea, a young woman trying to run from her past and forge a better life for herself. But the past is never far behind. Part 1, Medea, coming to you this February. Welcome back. Ivan, where does the slicer appear in your episodes that we've reviewed of all time? Out of 113, Steve, that we've done so far, number 75. Okay. So, yeah, enjoyable enough. I mean, you, you mentioned before it is kind of like a like a, a classic-esque season nine episode. Yeah, I, I'd say the, the slicer part is. Yeah, probably. I think it's more famous for the photo, though. Okay. I think, like, for me, I think that's probably the more prominent one. But the Slicer is obviously, you know, prominent, hence the name. Yep. Um, yeah, it had its moments. I mean, I had a few guffaws, and it was fun. I mean, it wasn't, for me, not a, as memorable. Very season nine, very chaotic in terms of its writing and yeah. very, you know, disorienting at times. But, um, yeah, it was it was fun enough. And, uh, yeah, like, 75 isn't saying it's a bad episode. It's just, yeah, it was, it was enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was enough. I'm glad we got around to doing it. For sure. Yeah. Well, we would have anyway. But yeah, we had to. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad it's done. Yeah. That's probably what I'm trying to say. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Anyway. Uh, you- <laughs> <laughs> Number 90 for me. No- nine? 90. 90, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 90, yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, yeah, look, I liked uh, Kramer's Slicer um, storyline. Mm-hmm. It was very season nine. Yeah. And the fact that a meat slicer featured almost as its own character. Yeah. It's very yes, much yes. in line with season nine's and, sort of yeah. surreal weirdness. An inanimate secondary character. Yeah. Special uh, props to the slicer. Yeah. 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 Big the SP2000. Yeah, SP the SP1000. I think it's 2000. 2000, yeah. Uh, yeah, didn't really care for um, Jerry's storyline. Yeah. I don't know. It just It felt very, very rushed. Very tacked on. Yeah. yeah. Um, and George's stuff was okay. But uh, yeah, the slicer, Kramer's storyline and Kruger really take this episode from mostly bad to okay yeah yeah Yeah. yeah, for sure and speaking of kruger and secondary characters any of them make you top 20 nah what about you kruger number eight oh wow yeah okay i like kruger i told you he's one of he's he's not as good as stein brennan but he's i think because he hasn't been in enough episodes i reckon if stein if kruger was in like a whole season or two of Seinfeld, he'd probably be like top three top two yeah but for what daniel did with the role as kruger and and he's real He's so nihilistic. Like he's even more nihilistic than the core four. Yeah, I just love that about him. He just doesn't give a shit about anything. It's just like, ah, uh, whatever. You kind of got to, even though it's very like, if I knew someone in life like that, I'd be very concerned about their well-being. Definitely. But you kind of got to respect the commitment to just not caring about yeah. anything. Yeah, and, at all. Yeah, and Daniel von Bargen did a great job. Yeah. in the role. Yeah, he's really yeah. good. Um, Audrey from the nose job gets knocked out of the top twenty. Okay. No, my top 20. Yeah. Right. Yes. So my top 10 uh, secondary characters so far. Number 10 is Newman. Number 9 is Corinne from The Marine Biologist. Number 8, Kruger, like I mentioned. Number 7, Milos from The Comeback. Bookman is number 6 from The Library. 5 is Susan. 4 is Yev Kasim from The Soup Nazi. 3, Uncle Leo. 2, Frank Costanza. 1, George Steinbrenner. Nice. Yeah. That is it for another week, but I don't want to be a secondary character. Uh, what are we doing next week? Next week, we are doing the face painter. The devil. Devil's back. 
Yeah, go spot the team. Go spot the team, babe. <laughs> yes, very good episode. Can't wait for that one. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, we love getting your emails, your posts on social media and all that kind of stuff. All those links for everything are in the show notes. You can find us in any podcast service. And uh, we'd love for you to leave a review if your podcast app allows it. We'd love to let, let us know what you think. That's right. And if you want to support us financially, you can head to our Patreon page, uh, like our social media, the link. Uh, is in the show notes and for as little as two bucks a month you get uh, access to episodes a week early and uh, all of our exclusive content including our weekly uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast Curbcast that's right and we also have PayPal if you want to make a one-off donation to the show that's if you right. don't want commitment yep and yes. if you are a uh, patron uh, thank you we've only got three yes but, um, Holly, been... Nikir and Tim as that's of the right. time of recording yeah yes. and they've been around for a while so thanks guys yeah thank you yeah we don't give you many shout outs but um, we love you yeah thank you we love you and uh, we love any future patrons exactly sign up my name is Ivan. And I'm Stephen. We will see you next week for the face painter. You take care. The devils.